Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors, Galaxy Finance. Sponsors and personal friends that I trust, that I trust enough to go to with questions about my own finances. That's not a sales pitch, that's fact. Any questions, any queries, they have the solutions from home loan lending to complete financial planning. With official interest rates at an all-time low, the lenders want your business. With Galaxy Finance, they'll do all the work for you and find the best possible deal. They'll do it all. Get in contact, ask for Leanne, and mention Unfiltered for a free chat. A free chat. No obligations, a free chat just by mentioning Unfiltered. Galaxyfinance.com.au is where you can find them. Welcome back to Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the Chris Lawrence story. Previously, we spoke about the transition from schoolboy star to first grade, his early education that would set up his post-career business, and the amazing 2010 season. The story continues. No, so I basically had to wait three months to know if my career was going to be over and, and whatnot. And um, as I went through the rehab, I sort of, everything felt right and everything, you know, applied myself pretty well. And, and I sort of knew deep down it was going to be fine because I just felt the body. I'm like, no, everything yeah. feels fine. So, and, and again, was fortunate enough that it was fine. But yeah, it was a tough old period where I sort of you know, had a lot of uncertainty. Do you think it was over? Well, when I heard that, yeah, I was like, well, like, because then I'm like, it's out of my control. Like, yeah. if, if I had need to hit replacement, I physically can't play. So, um, but then, so the, probably the next week was really tough, like mentally, just dealing with that uncertainty. Yeah. And then, I just remember having a chat to, um, you know, a physio, another physio I was sort of seen at the time, and he, he was a mate as well. And um, I just said to him, mate, what, what's the quickest, like, ever anyone's ever come back from, like, a hip dislocation? And he's like, oh, I don't know, mate, three months. I said, oh, I'll come back and play in 90 days. And he's like, he goes, mate, like, to be honest, you, your season's over. Like, we'll just, you know, we'll get, you'll be back. And he's been positive. You will get back, but, you know, we'll just let this season go and whatnot. And I go, no, nah, like, just give me something to work towards, at least as a goal I can just focus on. Because I knew, you know, even with other stuff, with, you know, having uh, education, business, things I was doing, if I had something I could really focus on, took yeah. my mind away from this. I'm You're like, goal-driven. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, just give me give me a plan. Just give me, you know, yep. every week, give me some targets I've got to hit. And so then every week I've I got something to... Mm. Otherwise, going. Otherwise, I'm going to go into training in rehab and game of season. And I'm, you know, I'd seen guys, you know, in rehab. I hadn't at that stage had a really, really major injury in my first grade career. I had small ones and been in rehab, but seeing guys with shoulder recos, knee recos, and how lonely it is in rehab when yeah. you know your season's over. And I'm just and and knowing too that one, I just played for Australia the year before. Yep. We went close to winning a grand final or getting a grand final. I knew we were going to be thereabouts again. And I'm just like, that's the last thing like, I want to yeah. – so okay, just give me a bit of hope. So he did that and I was just like, no, nah, I'm just going to – everything, like anything he said to the like to the letter I did. So I didn't miss anything. Like it was as if he said do this amount of reps at this amount of time and had, I was doing exactly what wow. was prescribed to try and you know, do everything I could to get back. 
Amazingly, you would play again. Amazingly, you would play again that year. What do you recall of your comeback game? It was July 8th. Mindset as well as any physical concerns? Yeah, mindset was fine because, yeah, again, it, the, the hip actually didn't feel, after probably the third or fourth week, it, it just felt like a big bruise. just felt like I was corked. Um, wow. So it didn't, it didn't feel that bad. Um, and, and, and obviously there was a lot of torn muscles and, and things around that. So it was just a matter of just strengthening them again. So once I was out running, um, you know, it took a while uh, to get to the, the power back and stepping off that foot. But in terms of, yeah, like I didn't, because it wasn't like a contact sort of injury or thing. And it was, yeah, a, yeah I, it wasn't really something that, um, again, at the time, you know, gave me any any worries or anything like that. Did you have any restrictions or limitations physically post the dislocated hip, or were you able to replicate, I guess, levels you were at prior to the injury? Oh, it it definitely it um, stopped a lot of the range in my hip. Yep. So, um, in terms of probably um, probably not takeoff speed, but probably um, like max acceleration, being able to open up. You know, yep. the term open up and and whatnot. It was reduced because I was restricted in that, and yep. it was probably other injuries probably over the next sort of few years that took away that takeoff speed. Yep. Um, but yeah, it and again, it was just getting back in into it, and um, the agility side of things was probably more a confidence thing. To yep. once I knew I could, you know, really step off at either side, you know, things um, came back fine. Um, it probably difference too because I was again in re up then probably. Uh, bulked up a lot more um put on you know so naturally i was going to do that anyway like my my dad playing reserve go went from a fullback to a front row throughout his career and he's he's a big unit so i knew physically i was always gonna back row was for you yeah well yeah tim sheen's i think second or third year said told me he goes you're gonna end up either a five out or a lock i'm just not sure he goes you won't you won't stay in the the outside backs for too long so he sort of picked it early on so i knew uh, i would and that sort of you know, period when I was in rehab, you know, and the first, especially the first month where I couldn't do any lower body, it was just all upper body and I really put on good size and, and strengthened my body up. So, you know, putting on a bit of weight, um, a bit of muscle, and then obviously having that lack of um, speed probably took that, um, you know, bit of um, speed away from me. Um, but then, then probably what it did do, it meant from probably then on my, and again, I was, and before that was known as a really attacking player, but yep. was suspect in defence. Um, but from then on, I think my defence, I was probably known for my defence yeah. because physically I was strong enough and I, I could dominate with my defence. So, yeah, it definitely sort of changed the way my game was played. You're a one-club man, very proud of that for the West Tigers. It wasn't always and hasn't always been easy for the Tigers. You played under no, a number of coaches. The spotlight has always been on the club. Many would say unfairly with the criticisms, but whatever way you look at it, the focus has been extreme. Difficult or easy for you to deal with? Oh, definitely difficult. Um, difficult early on. Um, fortunate enough, I suppose, unfortunately, that because I have experienced a number of different situations at the Tigers, yeah. you do get used to it and you do know how yeah. to handle the different situations and how to remove yourself and just, you know, worry about what you can work and mm. control and things like that. Um, yeah, it is, it is tough because, again, the first... Oh, well, six, seven years of my career, it was one coach, pretty the similar playing group, you know, from probably 08, 09 through to 12. Yep. It was 
similar wasn't a lot of changes and we're a really tight knit group yes. like those those guys in though in that period uh some of my closest sort of you know footy mates to date you know yeah. that i can call and catch up with and it's like sort of nothing you know ever happened you know a lot yeah. of guys who are you know and usually and, and even chatting to them you know guys again like chris Hoington who has been to a couple of clubs and you know won a grand final another club and um, whatnot, and you took a lot of people, and even the boys who in the O five team, they talk about the how tight the O five team is because of that yeah. bond. But and a lot of those guys speak about considering we didn't win a grand final in that period, the the bond between yeah. the guys is pretty close. Um, so then when that started getting split up, you know that um, that was hard, and then you throw in obviously a change in coach, um, and then obviously poor performances and. Just you know, just a, just a snowball effect, mm. um, and it probably just shows how hard it is to, you know, one be a successful club team, but then to maintain it. Knowing yeah. you have to, you have to make the right decisions. You have to have the right people. You have to, you know, have luck with injury go your way. Um, you just, you just have to make sure everything's right because you know things, um, you know things can change quickly, and it's. It was the hardest part was with a lot of it because you know, especially you know, as players, you know, we're f- front and center. You know, when when we yeah. got we got to put put a hand up, and when we're accountable, you know, we're accountable by by our teammates, family, friends, media, social media. Like everyone sees if I, if I miss a tackle and let a try in, yep. you know, I, I can't hide from that. I've got to put my hand up and go, yeah, I'm not. That's not others good enough. in their job can hide though. But I think it's not so much others in their job can hide. It's, I suppose, others uh, ensuring that the decisions they're making are the right ones and they're yeah. doing the right thing, um, I suppose, uh, for the club and um, just making sure that, again, if, if I wasn't performing, I'm in reserve grade. If yeah. I, then I, or I don't get signed or, you know, anything like that. So, um, and the thing is, again, we have to perform. And if the buck stop, I, I, a lot of the time, you know, unfair, fairly or unfairly, it's the they say the buck stops with the coach, but really it should be the players. And that, again, we're the ones performing. Um, you know, the coach, yeah, hundred percent has a massive influence, and everyone has influence. With the trainers have an influence. You know, the recruitment managers have an influence. Like everyone in the club has an influence, but we're the ones out there playing. Um, so if we're not doing the job, whether that's physically, mentally, at working as a team, we need to do that. And um, again, the hardest thing was because we weren't getting results there was such a turnover of players and when you get turnover of players it just makes us hard to gel and and then mm. you know you don't get the results and 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 that was that was always the hardest thing from that that period just you sort of everyone was you know tr- training hard everyone was you know doing their best but then there was just at times felt like sometimes when you were you know working that hard you were digging more of a hole for yourself mm. and you, you just didn't have the answers and um again later on when you sort of start to, you know, later on in my career, you know, when a lot of these things happen, it's just and it's just about well, other things you can't control, and I think, you know, too often whether that's myself or you know other people, you you worry about everything that's going on, and that yeah. affects then your performance. Whereas if you take all that aside and just go well, just worry about what your role is, mm. and, and just do that. Um, yeah, and again. If there was, I get asked a lot, like you know, what's the, what's the problem that over the last ten years? What's the t- the Tigers? Is it the players? Is it the admin staff? Is it the the coaches? What is it? What's the problem? And the answer is, if I if I knew the answer, I would have changed it ten years. Like I would have yeah. like made it like if if it was that easy an answer, mm. um, you know, it, 
people you know brighter than me would have made that decision uh, or that um, change long ago. Griffin Air Conditioning offers the highest quality of air conditioning sales and service across the Sydney metropolitan area, providing installation and maintenance to commercial, domestic and industrial customers. Working with this team, you'll be guaranteed the latest services, technology and developments in the industry. Visit griffinair.com.au and tell them we sent you for a cool deal. You had a reputation as a professional, as a tough player with a tough mind. To you, was the mental aspect of rugby league equally as important as the physical? Yeah, definitely. And I think more so, more so now. I think what, what you'll find in the, oh, I think especially over the next five years and, and going forward, that the, the gains and the differences between the good and the great and, and those who have you know, short careers, long careers, yeah. is going to be their mindset, um, how they apply themselves, again, with the preparation, but just how they can you know, have clarity and be really clear yeah. uh, in their head because more than ever, there's so much external noise, so, so many distractions that, um, you know, f- for those um, who can really be, you know, clear mentally, get through the tough times and you know, just block out all external distractions, mm. um, you know, they're the ones that are going to have long careers because realistically, physically, every side's doing the same thing. Every yes. side's doing the same training. You pretty much look from 1 to 17, it, there's pretty much everyone's got a similar, similar body type now. Uh, from wingers to front rowers in the gym, you're lifting, you know, within five ten percent of each other. Mm. So everyone's got the same strength. Even some front rowers are just as quick as, as wingers now. Yeah. So physically, there is not a lot between anyone across the board, except mm. from you know, obviously a couple of people that are just you know really quick or really strong. The or, freaks. The freaks. Yeah. So everyone's that. So where's the where's the um the I suppose that one percent edge and mm. and it's in the mindset and being able to you know each and every week have that clarity to be able to perform your role and, and not take on you know, the baggage of you know, other, other things going on. Let's go back to the beginning of 2019 and I could easily read out the facts that were reported of your horrific injury. Um, when, where, how? I'd, I'd probably rather you begin this part of the story. Uh, it was in New Zealand uh, two days before... First trial, so we played in trial um, in New Zealand, um, playing against the Warriors, and it was just a routine training. It wasn't even a full contact session. Uh, it was just a couple of days out for a game, um, doing some plays against each other, the reserve grade versus the sort of first grade side, and then um, and one of the players sort of poked their nose through, and then me and ba- Benny Madalena have come in either side to um, sort of make a, a tackle or you know bodies in front, and both gone behind. He's dropped his head. I've sort of raised my head and the sort of top of his head's just gone crush into sort of my cheekbone and just the angle it got basically what the surgeons it just imploded my face imploded basically just it got me at the weakest point the sort of hardest point of his head got the weakest point of my face yeah. um yeah and it was essentially that and I knew, I knew one straight away i knew it was injured i'm like hit the ground i was like oh, okay oh, it's my, but i didn't realize how bad and I thought, oh, first I thought it was just my jaw, then I could feel my cheek, then I felt my nose and my eye, and so then I just felt everything caved in. Um, so it was as sort of I sat there, I sort of felt everything. Um, and in terms of, it was definitely painful. Everyone asked me what was more painful. In terms of actual pain, I think the probably hit was more painful. Yeah. 
Um, but the hip I was playing and then I within five minutes I had a green whistle, whereas this yep. I had to sit there because, um, again, we're in New Zealand and there was actually a, an ambulance strike on at the time. So, had, no. Yeah, which was uh, the physio kept, oh, mate, they'll be here in two minutes, they'll be here in three minutes. And he's like, mate, I've got no idea. Eventually, he goes, oh, it could, you could be here for a while. So um, probably not so much the pain that was the issue because all the blood was rushing down the back of my throat because of all the bleeding, internal bleeding. I was actually struggling to breathe. So um, I remember when he's told me that I didn't panic a bit. I sort of thought if, if I panic, I, I'm in, in a bit of trouble here because yeah. he was like, oh, it could be a couple of hours. Like, I don't know. Like Just get your head around how long. So... I'm like, all right, I've just got to worry about just breathing because, like, I'm, I was, like, sort of every now and then I'd cough and choke on a bit of blood going down. Yep. So I'm like, don't worry about the pain, just worry about it. So I just did that and fortunately it didn't take two hours, but we, um, I think another 40 minutes later the, the ambulance came and felt like two yeah, hours. shipped me off to hospital. What were the injuries? Can you recall all of them? Uh, well, pretty much every bone in my face. So it was 12 different fractures. Um straight all the way from the eye socket down the cheekbone and jaw on both sides across the nose both uh, eye sockets um the front jaw you know or the palate and the only thing that wasn't was the bottom jaw that's probably the only thing that wasn't broken um so yeah pretty much everything else uh, had had a fracture in it and um, putting it back together um well it was, it was basically like a facial reconstruction and the surgeon sort of said it was like putting a jigsaw um puzzle back together so you're in hospital in New Zealand and your wife, Catherine, flies immediately over to be by your bedside. Do you remember the moment she walked in yeah. to the hospital room? She walked in, burst out crying and said, you're never playing footy again. And I go, yeah, okay. And then about a minute later, I go, oh, we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> so it was, um, yeah, she was, she was quite upset. I, I told her... Um, the day, well, the morning she was flying over. So look, don't be alarmed. Like I'm gonna look. Yeah, it's not gonna look good, but I'm okay. Like I'm. Okay. And I, I sent a photo to my family um, mm-hmm. of me, and didn't send it to her. Um, I didn't want her worrying on the like on the flight over. But yeah, my my family and friends were obviously quite worried. But um, yeah, and like she sort of said, you're not playing again. I'm like, yeah, of course. And then it was, I don't know what it was. It was something there that I was like. And even at that stage, and it was only as I unpacked, you know, a bit later on over the next sort of uh, few weeks, I was just like, no, I'm not done yet. Like, mm. and I said to her about a day later, I go, look, if the surgeons say there's no risk if, if after all my recovery, and I, at this stage, I didn't even know. It was a lot of uncertainty because they couldn't tell me when I was going to get surgery, what the surgery was. Like, I still didn't know. Like, I had no idea. I was just sitting there and just, they, they couldn't tell me anything. But I said... If eventually a surgeon says once everything's done, there's no risk of re-injury or, you know, mm. whatever, I was like, you know, I want to give it a crack. And she was like, no, nah, no. Nah. And then eventually she goes, oh, okay. And I don't know, yeah. And, and it, for her sort of saying that was probably a big reason why when I made my retirement, I sort of, when I announced my retirement, I sort of thought the time's right because yeah. for she could have, turn around like we had a two-year-old daughter at the time could have yeah. turned around and said nah like think of your family like mm. don't be selfish you've been selfish for you know as a footy player you've got to be selfish you've got to yep. think about yourself and and do your own preparation like you, you, your footy and your preparation for your game mm. comes first and if it like 
as selfish as that sounds, if it doesn't, then you can't beat your best. Yep. So she could have said no, but it was like, oh, yeah, okay. And, yeah, and I sort of didn't really realise at the time why I wanted to come back. I'm like, everyone said you're crazy. Why would you? Like I'd, you know, Robbie Farrow and all the teammates just going, mate, why come back? Like what do you, you've got nothing more to prove. You've got nothing more to yep. do anything. And, yeah, I was just like, I don't know. They've just got that fire in the belly that just – Felt like if I could, and again, if I'd be completely content if I was told I couldn't. Yes. So it wasn't about that. It was about um, if I could, yeah, like I want to prove that I can, mm. you know. I still got it. I want to prove that I can. And probably, and it wasn't until later on, I was like, you know what, a lot of it was about my family, even though you would think it's probably the opposite that to not play because you fear family. But I just wanted to be um, – you know, be able to get back on the field because at the time my daughter you know, wasn't only just turned two. She wasn't old enough to know that I played footy. Yeah. I'm like, I want to get back on the field and have her be old enough to understand that dad played footy, you know, and be out in the field with me running around, whether it's my last game or whatnot. So that was just because really I wasn't going to achieve anything more in the game. Like, because the back end of my career getting, you know, slower and weaker. Um, yeah. So if, in terms of personal accolades there's nothing really that i was gonna achieve aside from um probably again and again that the fact i did that and i got to share moments with my daughter i'll cherish those sort of memories forever and no doubt she will as well you're listening to andy raymond unfiltered the legend series we have corporate and private sponsorship packages available you set the terms For further information on how you can become part of the team, go to the website andyraymondunfiltered.com.au and hit the sponsorship tab. Were you concerned about Emmy's reaction to you? Yeah, well, I was. And initially she didn't recognise me, but I get it. And it got me, that got me a bit upset, but I think a lot of that is probably because I was away for three weeks. And as a. You know, not even, well, yeah, she was just two, um, you know, two-year-old kid. You go away for a bit and, and I'd come back and I'd black eyes and my face was swollen and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, look, there was that bit of a, uh, it was more, she didn't recognise me coming back from the surgery because the surgery had like sort of um, tape on my face and yep. stuff over my nose and, and you know, my face was swollen. So she didn't recognise me after that and that was, and, and because that took so long to heal. Yep. But then... Um, so I was worried about that, but then it was a, it was a tough period after the surgery because for six weeks I couldn't do anything. I couldn't, um, I couldn't sne- sneeze, exercise, yeah. anything to put pressure in the face. They said, you can't do anything for six weeks. Otherwise, you know, the little, um, screws and, and things will pop. We, you got to, um, make sure you don't do anything. So, um, and again, I'm a proactive person, like doing things. So six weeks at home doing absolutely no training or anything was hard. Uh, fortunately one, I got to then spend you know work in the business but i got to spend a lot of time with my daughter you know day and day watch a lot of yeah dora the explorer and the wiggles uh plenty wiggles at that stage before then she got introduced to frozen and then all the other things so but it was um it was good so i got to spend a lot of time at home with her um so uh you know as much as it was a really tough time uh and then i had my bad days and and days where i just was down and things like that but it, it was sort of good quality time i got to spend with her Mental health, uh, did you have mental health concerns? Did you have, um, you know, toxic thoughts on, the, on those days that were difficult? Yeah, definitely. Like I, I think, um, and 
even now and even sort of before that, um, I was a, always been a sort of a big advocate about, um, you know, starting the conversation and about yep. mental health and I'd been a Beyond Blue ambassador uh, and understanding that, you know, people go through tr- troubling times and mm. um, yeah, and difficult circumstances and being there for support and, and just, you know, um, and understanding that it was okay to be in a, you know, a, a bad period and, and dark place and yep. it, all you needed to do was, you know, reach out for support and uh, and at the time a lot of that was more to do and again it it probably took um, me to put things in perspective um, to sort of help me get through it but it was a lot to just to do with my appearance like at this uh, probably the four and a half or five week mark um, I hadn't I hadn't eaten solid foods for I think two months so I dropped 13 or 14 kilos um, so the structure of my face looked different um, like I just look, just look a shadow of myself. So I didn't look like myself. But then, like every day when I got up, and I still had bruises and things weren't healed and things like that. But then I looked myself in the face, uh, in the mirror, sorry, and I just, like, I didn't look. I just didn't look like myself. I'm like, I didn't even look know who I was looking at. And I was like, yeah. your face is like your identity. And mm. I was sort of looking like I've just felt like I've lost that identity. And it was more that sort of, I've lost my identity, like. And that's where I struggled to sort of grapple and deal with and, and things like that. And, and they, they were the sort of times when I had those sort of bad days. And mm. um, and it's probably, yeah, it just um, I think it was, you know, one one day where I went in to see the surgeon, I was just really um, just frustrated and tried to vent yep. and whatnot and about I thought he just had, had done a bad surgery job or but it's just because things hadn't healed and whatnot and, um, it was more just then after that going and just being in the hospital and just seeing other people in the hospital and seeing kids in there. I'm like, what am I like? Yeah. I'm not sick. Like I'm, I've had a surgery. Like just put your head in. And it was sort of that. Yeah, that sort of is what I needed. Just put it in perspective. I'm like, so what? Like I still got my health. I'm, you know, I'm not sick. Like look at everyone else. Like all, all yeah. it would take for me to go through the cancer ward at the children's hospital to to really put things in perspective. So that got me on back on track, but. Um, in, in terms of them, but understanding like, and, and even sort of now with a lot of work we do with athletes, we do run sort of mental health short courses and, and I'm learning all the time and learning about, you know, um, support systems and even different traumas and things like that. And at the time, if you had said, oh, no, you, you've suffered, you have showing symptoms of post, you know, traumatic stress, I'm like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. But you look at some of the up and down bad days I had and things like that. And I'm like, yeah, I probably did, to be honest, like. Mm. You know, not not realizing it, but learning more about it and things and and what you can do and and understanding it's okay. It doesn't mean um, that you're suffering, um, you know, from long term depression or anything like that. I just, you know, for that particular event and period, I I was, you know, it's a sliding scale. Your mental health and it's not something that is fixed and stays the same way. You slide up and down every day, and it's a constant, you know, work. So, um, you know, just understanding that that. It was all, you know, I'm going to have bad days and have good days and just learning how to get myself back into uh, the right mindset. The comeback or even the thought of the comeback, let alone the physical act, stupid or stubborn or determined or is this simply that intangible element that separates you elite guys from the rest of us, the inability to surrender? Oh, I think there's a little bit of that in, in all athletes. I think yeah. that's why... Um, that's why you know you are a professional athlete, and especially those who hang in there for a long time. You would have had to go through some adversity, and at yeah. some point, had to hang in and defy the odds of of, mm. of something. Um, so again, I think that's in all athletes. For me, 
again, it was probably because I had that sort of in, that drive and, and I knew. And again, it was simply the fact that probably I want to prove people wrong, but it was more I wanted to get back and I wanted to, again, just share that moment with my family and my daughter because I didn't get to do that the previous year. And, you know, and it wouldn't mean kicking stones if I didn't, but I'm like, that would just be great. I hear ex players and players go, yeah. oh, you know, it's such a good moment when you get to have your kids on the field and things like that. It makes yeah. sense. So that was, and it was literally as simple as that. I'm like, no, nah, I, I just would like being a dad now. Um, I just want that. That's what I want. So, um, yeah, and it was more the fact because my reason sort of outweighed the, the fear of getting re injured. Mm. That's, and again, probably understanding more about. You know how to you know, overcome fear and things like. That. And again, I'm a, I'm I love learning. I'm a mm. you know always want to say you know even through this process, looking at you know mindset strategies, ways to deal with things, overcoming fear. You know just different things and learning about and having an awareness of what I'm feeling and and what that um um is all about. And just understanding that you know when everyone goes, aren't you fearful of getting re-injured? I wasn't, and I didn't understand. No, like I my first contact session. I got back in there in the wrestle room and the guys were sort of like cuddling me and like didn't want to tackle me because I was like afraid of re-injuring me. And I said like, honestly, I I can't dip my toe in the water. I just got to dive in, just whack me. And so I just ran full steam. They belted me, put me on my back and just got up and did it again. And everyone's like, you're crazy. But I didn't know why I didn't fear. I'm like, I'm like, I'm not, I don't care about getting re-injured, but understanding because I wanted to get back on the field more than I feared getting injured. That was the sort of reason. So um, and, I, and I knew if it was in my hands, I wanted to do everything I could. If it's taken out of my hands, and so be it. After achieving so much, after returning from so much twice, after facing adversity and winning, why retirement so shortly afterwards? Have you actually already answered that by ticking the box with Emmy? Yeah, pretty much. I, I think, and because the it mentally and physically it it did like because i had the, the drive and the why mm. um but it the that 2019 year took its toll like i was i was pretty spent by the the I end bet. of the year uh, and, and I, like i was off contract um at the end of the year and i did want to go again like i, I did have that drive to go again because again i'm like well i don't want to there was still that drive, even though you know I had got back after my injury. Um, that fire was still in the belly, and I knew I had the I had still a lot to offer from the team. You know, from my and experience. they wanted you too. Yeah, they did, and it was just a you know a matter of at that time couldn't get it done, and it was mm. just I just had to be patient and wait. So there was that stress as well mm. about first time I'd basically hadn't had a contract, so I was technically not off contract. I didn't have a contract yeah. in my career, and and when you know you've got a mortgage and you got bills pay and you things like that and you're like well you know and I was fortunate enough I had uh, my business um, that I'd grown and developed but I was you know in terms of planning when I'd hopefully roll into it it probably wasn't at that point where I could just go straight into it and yep. you know provide myself an income so um, it, that was a stressful time but I knew um, I wanted to go in 2020 and then I sort of in the back of my head thought look this probably would be the last year but I would, was always open to it and then COVID happened and um, right well, when COVID happened, I was, you know, one of the guys involved with the discussions with the Players Association and the yeah. advisory group with the NRL and, and Peter Belandis and, and and initially they were sort of telling the players, like, we're hearing, like, it's gone, the war yeah. over. So I'm like, in my head I thought, look, I could be retired. So 
literally in that six or eight week break, I was getting up at five in the morning and just working the business because I'm like, you know what? I just uh, just acted as if I was retired and set yep. myself new challenges, new targets. And, and then when we came back and got back into it, and we got back into training, and I and I didn't miss it. I didn't miss it as much as I thought. I got back into it. And I was like, yeah, I didn't really miss it that much. Yeah. And that was probably the first sign. I was like, yeah, like I didn't miss it. Um, then got back into playing. Then physically, the body took longer to recover. Yep. And it was just I thought, you know what, the, the that side of things isn't going to get any easier next year. Um, and for me to then still compete at this level, I'm going to have to put in more preparation. Like. I don't want to just cut corners because that will show my, my game. And I've always yeah. been one to do, you know, uh, I, I do all the preparation. I know I've done it yep. right. And and the, so the question was, do I have the motivation to put my body and mind through that for another year? So, you know, at July this 2020, could I see myself in July 2021 still be doing that? And the answer was no. So that was, that was it for me. It was a fitting reward that in the final month of your career – you notched up 250 games. I know it wasn't part of your decision-making process, but it's a nice one to have. Yeah, it, it was good to have. And again, if I didn't, you know, achieve that in, in my last year, again, I wouldn't wouldn't have been kicking stones, but I'm glad I, I got to achieve that. And, yeah. You know, considering that year before, um, one, the chance of coming back, then playing on, and then getting 250 were, um, you know, pretty slim, so... Very yeah, slim. Yeah. So, yeah, just to get that was, um, you know, was pretty pretty special. And, um, again, there's plenty of points in my career. I probably thought that, you know, I wouldn't even get 200, let alone 250. To remain involved with the club as you are now, how important was that in your decision-making process? Because even though you've got the business, even though you've got a young family, you're a footy guy, mate. You really are. And to remain involved in some capacity, I would imagine, is is important to you. Yeah, definitely. And I think, well, in that last year, in the 2020 year, again, because the, the club, in terms of, you know, the salary cap and where they're at, um, basically, you know, I had to sign on uh, and, and through a program, you know, with NRL called the NRL Transition Program, mm. where uh, part of my wage got paid to actually work as you know a one day a week as a education and well-being officer mm. so I actually in my last year started working and mm. basically all I had to do was just help mentor and guide a lot of the young players coming through and and I really enjoyed that and mm. and seeing some of the guys that now you know like a Jake Simkin a Reese Hoffman a Jock Madden guys who you know I um, could see Alex Seafarth, these guys who I tried to you know actively you know go yeah. out and mentor and help, and I saw them grow throughout that twenty twenty year, and I'm like you know they're just good kids, and I, I saw a lot of my 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 sort of personality in them too as well when I was young, so nice. I just thought you know what I'd love to be able to um, just stay around in some capacity just to help those guys like good people, as good guys at the club. I know we didn't have the success last year, and we didn't make the finals, but I just personally would like to help and help them grow you know as players and if I can share anything that, that I've learned that can help fast track their career then you know I'd love to do that and and even all the other players as well just share some of the things that I know help me have a long career and if some of the guys can take that on board then great so um, look it wasn't you know sort of oh, the decision was made I was going to retire regardless but yep. Um, you know, being able to do that and knowing that at this point, then by this stage, you know, the, the opportunity to then go straight into the business full time really excited me because I've never, 
had that opportunity to, you know, really day in, day out, um, really execute and do the things I wanted to yep. do with the business. So that did excite me as well. So um, I knew that I'd, I couldn't really be there any more than sort of, you know, a small, you know, part uh, or, you know, one day a week or whatever yep. that may be because I had other challenges and goals I wanted to do. But again, as you said, it's been my life for 15 years. So I didn't, I still wanted to be able to give back in some way. Through 15 years, when you're experiencing the highs or wiping the tears away through the lows, you've carried yourself in the most professional of ways on and off the field. And whilst the boots have been packed away, your role in our game hasn't. And to be honest, mate, I couldn't think of a better man to mentor the next generation. Chris Lawrence, you, sir, are a legend. The Legend Series is a deep dive, not only into the athlete, but the man behind. Celebrating successes, dealing with failure and turning obstacles into challenges. It drops at the start of your week. Later in the week, the weekly wadge is released. On any one episode, hear up to a dozen of the game's best, both former and current. We talk footy, we have a laugh as well. Segments, specials and special guests. It's the perfect way to kick off your footy weekend. Then on Sundays, one-on-one with not a footballer in sight, we chat with boxers, mixed martial artists and professional wrestlers, both past and present. The list of names featured reads like a who's who. Their stories, simply amazing. Make sure you're following us on our social media pages, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, all at The Andy Raymond. And subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. That way you won't miss a thing. And before you go, we'd really love a five-star rating and review on the podcast app you're currently listening on. It helps us spread the word and grow the brand as we look to bring you more. We're giving away an unfiltered trucker's hat for the best weekly review too. Andy Raymond Unfiltered. It's a podcast like no other. It's unfiltered. Make sure you come back soon, legends.